1: Hello, everybody. and Welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is TeacherCast podcast episode number 222. And today we're gonna take a look at digital learning from a slightly different point of view, an overseas point of view. I have a fantastic guest today. He's the CEO of Impero Software. I wanna bring on to the show today, Mr. Justin Riley. Justin, how are you today? Welcome to TeacherCast. I'm
0: I'm very well, thank you. How are you?
1: I'm doing extremely well, but I gotta say, like every other educator here in the States, I'm a little worried about what's going on. I'm nervous. You know, we were talking earlier about, you know, the fact that when we're looking at this whole COVID trend, when we're looking at hybrid learning, digital learning, it's not going in the right direction, at least here. What are you guys seeing over in England?
0: Very, very much the same thing, I think. Um, when given we were in a second lockdown. So I don't know if you you remember or recall, but there was a the first lockdown that came in at March and for an organization like mine that works exclusively in education technology across the world, we were watching every single education market turn off one after another. There's the most it was it was bizarre. In the space of two weeks we went from you know, from everything to nothing. We're in the second lockdown now and whilst the schools are being kept open, There's a lot of fear around the fact that they seem to be a space where COVID is being transmitted. It's creating its own risks. So I think there's a genuine fear amongst teachers that that they're in frontline services, essentially. And whilst they are essential services, that does put them in a position of risk. Um, If I look at my two oldest children, 15-year-old, 17-year-old, my 15-year-old has been told he has to stay at home in isolation because he was sat next to somebody that had COVID. My 17 year old is OK to go back to school, but the year below him is in a bubble and mm. they've been all sent home. So we've got this sort of, you know, it, there is no consistency and you can, and as a teacher. And you can imagine trying to deal with not knowing on Monday who's literally who's going to be in front of you or where they're going to be. That's a tough place to be.
1: As we're sitting here talking about COVID, we want to hear from you guys. Of course, you can reach out to the show every single day over on Twitter. You can go to Twitter.com slash TeacherCast. love to hear from you guys. And, of course, you can always reach out to us over at TeacherCast.net slash feedback. We'd love to hear where you guys are. Justin, as we're looking at this, you had mentioned consistency. And I know in my position as a technology trainer at a district level, uh, we got 13,000 students. It's not an easy pivot, right? I mean, you got high school kids, middle school kids that, yes, they're used to right now going from hybrid to full to virtual. They've done this before. Not that it's easy, but I've been focusing a lot over the last couple of weeks on those younger grades, the kindergartners, the first and second graders, where you're not just pivoting, you're changing a parent's lifestyle. How is that working over in your country?
0: Well, there's no doubt. I mean, having two small children myself, you know, when you see those children coming home, they they can prevent you from working. So there's additional pressure upon the parents. I think whilst, you know, you are talking about adolescents and teenagers potentially being self-sustaining self-learners, actually, I'm not sure that's the case, if I'm honest, but certainly when you get into kindergarten, when you get into the younger years, they're not self-motivated learners. Of course, they're not, they're children. They're very much at the epicenter of that. And it's a real risk, right, because the formative years of education, that's where your literacy and numeracy is really going to be embedded. That's where you're going to be putting the axiomatic conceptual understanding of really core topics. And if they're not practicing those and consolidating those in a structured environment, then that's going to be causing all sorts of problems down the line. It it has a cascade problem sort of through the generations. It's going to take years to work our way through that. As a parent, to suddenly expect you to be a professional teacher or tutor to plug the gap, that's quite hard particularly it, if you're trying to get a
1: full-time job. It, it certainly is. I mean, you know, everybody knows, I've, I, you know, I, I have seven-year-old triplets at home where they're, they're kindergarten last year, first grade this year. Luckily, we haven't had any problems in their particular school, but every other school in the district has been, ex, has been affected by it. So we're just kind of waiting for things to happen here. It, it's not easy, right? I mean, you're trying to not only teach curriculum to students, you're trying to teach digital technology to students, but suddenly the parents have to know how to log into the classrooms and the seesaws and the teams and all of those things. What advice as an ed tech company do you have when working with parents who stress doesn't even begin to sum up what their life must be like these days? I
0: think um, there is a little bit of a, you know, parents should be involved in education anyway, right? So there's parental engagement and there's parental involvement and, and they're two different things. Engagement being sort of keeping an eye on what's happening within the classroom, what's happening with their own children and how they're developing. Involvement being exactly that. You're actually directly involved in what's happening within the lesson and the structure of the lesson. We've thrust an entire generation of parents into parental involvement. And I'm not seeing an awful lot of guidance or support coming out from any central government. And I'm talking globally. I'm not just talking within the US and the UK. There doesn't seem to be the same scale of support that one would like to see to help them to cope with that now where to go to get that so i'm a teacher you're a teacher we've got a background in the classroom we understand but even so teaching your own children on subject matter that you perhaps aren't quite so familiar with is entirely different to expecting them to to go and learn something on a subject matter that you're comfortable with you know it is different so my i guess my first and best advice would be get comfortable with the curriculum matter particularly if it's younger children understand the subject matter Be comfortable asking questions and obviously reach out to the teachers and other parents to get advice. You know, we're not doing this alone. It it feels like it, but we're actually not in this alone. We're all going through the same situation.
1: It's really about building that community, right? We talk about it in the teaching space of building a PLC or a PLN, but really one of the things that I know our our district is focused on is parent engagement, community engagement. We even created something called Parent University, where it's teachers helping parents understand things. We're bringing in other ed tech companies to teach how are they using their applications in the classroom, just to kind of ease the burden of parents needing to know everything. What are some of the things that a school district can do in your mind to help out, ease that tension in the community, bring people together? Is it a resource? Is it a video channel? Is it is it face to you know virtual face to face? Like, what do you suggest? How, how do we bring in the parents here to, to keep everybody together?
0: It's, it's a little bit of all of the above, isn't it? Because there is definitely in need for some immediacy a chat facility or or working through a learning platform of some description where if a a parent is struggling with a particular topic then contact straight away ask the question get the immediate answer go and support that so we certainly advocate live chat that's been one of those mediums we provide um a combination of well-being software but also class management software and ours is deliberately designed to be entirely remote. Now there's other packages out there that do the same thing. We would strongly recommend the districts investing in remote learning because then you can have a combination of the teacher delivering live lessons with the parent taking almost a a learning support assistant role. That's a much more comfortable place to be. And that really releases the power of parental involvement as we were talking earlier. Having the teacher leading the lesson, but with the, the parent involved in the background, those sort of things I think are really powerful. And also give people sight of the curriculum. One of the things that that I've noticed, and it might be a personal experience more than a a global one, but we don't get to see the curriculum that our children are going through, and we don't get to see the the detail behind that curriculum very often. It tends to be very thematic rather than, you yeah, we're doing volcanoes, we're doing Romans, you know. But actually, what is it we're, we're learning within that, and what can I do to include that in general conversation? You know, the idea of a structured lesson is sort of dissolving somewhat because it—it's it, not a bad idea to be able to bring these conversations to the dinner table if you're going for a walk, or you know, and some of the the some of the really good lessons that I've heard about and really good experiences that I've heard about have been where teachers have been providing materials to parents to enable them to stimulate the conversation elsewhere you know if you're going for a walk with the dog take the children with you talk about what's going on you know what do you observe shapes whatever it might be those sorts of things can be really powerful really powerful and very engaging for the parent as well and certainly less threatening
1: I love the less threatening angle of that, because one of the things that we're working on in our district is just the the struggle for do we pull the trigger and take everybody offline? Do we stay in? One of the things that I think all school districts are realizing is that the virus is spreading not in class, but it's spreading at home with people getting together. I mean, there's campaigns Mm -hmm. all over the country right now, you know be aware that thanksgiving is coming up don't bring 100 people into your house it's just going to not be good over the next couple weeks we really are trying to say to our students here at least in my district that you know the safest place sometimes is in the classroom because it is a controlled environment but when it comes to this we have these issues of what happens when students are at home you know we have bullying We have students getting together, we have students not actively engaging in classrooms, we have all these social and emotional. Talk to us a little bit about some of the work that you guys are doing, especially, and we'll get into the work that you're doing with Impero, but why is it important to to be considering student health, student well-being, student activity and engagement when it comes to making these difficult decisions about COVID and instructional learning?
0: If we sort of step it back a little bit, if you ask any teacher or any parent is a child's well-being going to influence their attainment and their success in the classroom and learning? Nobody would question that the two are intrinsically linked. Clearly they are. And if you ask the reverse question, you know, is their attainment directly for, you know, sort of in some ways influencing their well-being? Yeah, absolutely. Of course it is. We, we, we know that's the case, right? That's intrinsically there. What we've done is tried to take those two really clear concepts and combine them into one platform. So we have the Digital protection, the, the 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 manual captures and observations sitting alongside our classroom management and remote learning functionality, so that we're bringing the two together to flag to teachers and parents where it might be where the issues are. What we know from a well-being point of view is that teachers' role within understanding the well-being of a child has been extremely misunderstood. Uh, when we went into the first lockdown here in the UK, we saw sixty percent of captures disappear overnight now they could be captures around safe harm radicalization isolation depression you know you name the topic it's there and we're looking after it and i have to say this is not just us you know that there are other organizations doing the same thing who have spotted similar sorts of results but what it meant was that the teachers were providing a really important lens through which to observe the well-being of a child not in isolation obviously they're not the only people doing that but that lens suddenly disappeared overnight, and what we need to get back to is teachers finding ways to observe the well-being of children, to look at how they are and what they're doing, to understand that you know by suddenly forcing them into a digital environment, you're actually exposing them to a significant number of other risks as well, and you've got to control those risks. That's going to have an impact on their well-being. That's going to have an impact on the, their attainment eventually. And obviously, we need to be sort of mapping all those things together. So I think the big observations for me really is that we mustn't underestimate the impact that teachers will have in keeping the children safe, even if they're in a hybrid environment or if all the children are at home remote learning. That role is still there and we need to understand how to enable teachers to keep fulfilling that role.
1: Let's talk a little bit about Impero just for a quick second here. I, you know there are a lot of school districts right now, both large and small, that are looking for a partner, looking for a solution. Um, give us the give us the, the 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 quick rundown here. What is Impero? How is it helping school districts?
0: So we we've got three strands of products, and and I should say when I took over the business about 16 months ago, I started a transformation to take and rebuild our platform out completely. But principally, for the last 20 years, we've been providing network management tools. So giving tools to people to enable them to manage networks in a pretty seamless and manageable way because we can't all be high-end Cisco engineers. You know, We need to, to, to respect the balance of, of what's going on in schools. And there's an ever-increasing sophistication of the technology within schools, so we need to make it easier to manage that estate. Second to that is classroom management, which is, if you think historically, you would have a horseshoe shape of uh, computers within a classroom lab, and you would either see The backs of children's heads and the screens or you saw the faces and the children which is really important for that question and answering and teaching learning piece but you didn't see the monitors what we did is started to combine the two so on one teacher device you could observe everything that's happening real time in every single other device that's the class management piece we've taken that a step further that we're also observing not what's just happening on that screen but everything that's happening behind it so We know other tabs that are open. We know if they're running YouTube in the background. We know if they're Googling things that they shouldn't be Googling whilst in that environment. We've recognized that if they're studying something on uh, a digital resource, education resource, we know how long they're spending on activities within that, and we know everything else they're doing at the same time. So it gives us a really good holistic view of what they're doing. That also evolved over to digital protection. So where we're monitoring what they're doing and we're spotting keywords. You know, we, We have about... 27,500 keywords that we're monitoring for all the time, nonstop, to see whether the triggers and it's how those words are being used that are really important as well to understand if there's a genuine sort of case of concern that we should be flagging to a teacher or a counselor or another stakeholder. Um, and it's worth noting, by the way, you know, so we're around 27,000 keywords the average adult has around a vocabulary of around 25,000. So, you know, that gives you some sort of sense of just how many words we're observing. And we're covering all the topics you can possibly imagine. And we also, on top of that, then have our our manual captures where teachers can record concerns on observation. And we think putting that into one environment is extremely important because you may have, a number of observations around comments you've seen from a child or maybe a child that was being bullied, but it was light bullying in isolation, didn't look particularly serious you put a concern in and obviously over time each child has a chronology and you start to see whether actually there's something spotting there's a trend coming whether you should be more concerned perhaps the isolated instance and it's fed into from all the teachers and all the classes and all the environments as well so you get a, a true holistic view of, of how safe those children are and what's going on in that environment so we've specialized in taking all those three things and bring them into one space you know controlling the devices um, allowing people to manage the devices and looking at how those devices are being used, not just what you see, but also what's going on in the background and how that's influencing both the attainment and the well-being of the students. And it's that holistic view that we've been building out and are continuing to build out over the last two years or so.
1: If a school district's looking to bring Impero into their um, environment, what do they need to do? What should ha- they have ready before they make that first reach out to you guys over at ImperoSoftware.com?
0: Well, really, you know, we've deliberately gone down the route of saying that we're a device agnostic. So as long as they have devices, we don't really mind what they are. And we've, we've also gone down the road of, of whatever operating system we've got. You know, we don't care what hardware you have. We don't care which of the five major operating systems you're working with, including Android, use us. You know, we, you can, we can plug in. And all you really need to do is just contact us and get your, your school data ready so that we can sync to your SIS download the client and off you go and it really is as simple as that
1: moving ahead i think we're all looking forward to that day where covid is not part of us but we do have this environment where distant learning is still among us i mean even as right now we're looking at getting into the winter months all the teachers are asking each other if there's a snow day do we just make it a hybrid day do we go in what's the weather patterns look like i mean this really has opened up a lot of new possibilities to us where do you see 2021, 2022 like? I know we're into the, it's it's weird saying this in November, but we're into ISTE season. Bet's going to be around the corner. As we look at all these ed tech companies, what do you see as the future of classroom technology and ed tech worldwide?
0: I think there's a definite continuation of moving to the cloud. I think we're going to see best of breed succeed in that from a technology point of view. A lot of people are moving to the cloud because everyone else is, so it's ticker box. But actually, the true value of moving to the cloud is, as we said earlier, centralize your data, bring your data into a central data lake, and start analyzing it and analyzing it and analyzing it because it's those trends and those insights that are truly going to shape what teachers are doing. And we have an entire work stream which is solely focused on pulling trends analysis out for teachers, for principals, for superintendents, whatever. And I think we're going to see a lot of that going on um clearly you know any organization enabling their products to work in the cloud but also to work in remote environments so you shouldn't be focusing on delivering something that only works within the classroom it has to work anywhere anytime so i think there's going to be a bit of a cleansing around that if you like a bit of a purge in the marketplace to make sure that everybody's in that space as well i think and this is where i think i get really excited actually there's going to be a lot more integration you're going to see partners coming together. You're going to see learning platform providers or well, LMS providers teaming up much more with the SIS providers and assessment engines and digital content because you can't have that managed by a teacher in a classroom if everybody is in 30 different locations. We've got to take that pain away. We've got to make sure that it's really easy for teachers and parents, whoever it might be, to access that same bit of technology. So I think we're going to see a big push towards. Uh, organizations with very different technologies coming together to provide a, a, a sort of a, a unique but coherent solution.
1: It's interesting to see where the trend has gone. I remember a couple of years ago at ISTE, it was hi, here's my company, and I do these thirty five things. And then a couple of years later, it's hi, here's my company, and I interact with thirty five different other com- you know companies. You said the student information systems, the learning ma- management systems. It is really nice to see people are really digging in and saying we do this well and we're giving a hug to microsoft we're giving a hug to google we're giving a hug to 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 uh to to clever all these different places out there where do you see your company going in the next couple years i mean obviously right now the big thing is this monitoring software making sure that teachers districts know what's happening what is the future of this industry
0: so we've we focused on moving away from what we call control into education. So control around controlling device, controlling learner behavior, et cetera. We monitor and we monitor and inform. So we've made this big shift away almost from being a product and into a service. I think that's the first thing. We're very, very uh, invested into Microsoft, not exclusively, but, but you know, they have been really good partners as we've been designing out the system that we've been building. It's, it's, uh, it's quite cutting edge and, and they've been very uh, supportive in that experience. So, We're working very closely with organisations like that, but not, again, not exclusively. We're working with a a huge number of different uh, education providers. As a business, we're going to be moving as well away from being um, just purely a service provider and much more into a partner with schools and districts. You know, we're working with our ministry at the moment, for example, in North Africa, where... We're helping them to understand what insights you could actually get out from the systems, not just ours, but from their other systems that they have. And we're becoming a backbone to all those different products and services so we can understand and deliver something of much greater value than we can do in our own independent rights. So it's about us coming together with whoever is in that ecosystem already to partner, to deliver more to those teachers and to to the, the curriculum leaders. So for us, we're definitely pushing into that space. And again, as I said earlier, uniquely for us we're looking at the combination of device management well-being and sort of curriculum management because we see that that bringing those together into one space is going to be much more impactful as well
1: Justin, as we go through the the next couple of months, I'd love to have you back on, especially as the world changes, as the educational landscape changes. I know in the country here, we're looking forward to having a a new educational system and a new educational leader. And I'm sure that's going to be bringing in a lot of challenges as we go through here. would love to invite you and Impero back on to talk about what's happening in your country as our country continues to evolve.
0: We've
1: been here talking to Justin Riley, CEO of Impero Software. Justin, where do we go to learn more about the great things happening at Impero?
0: www.empira-software.com. Uh, all our services are on there and you can find out about us and we're all over social media so you only have to, to google us and we'll pop up
1: and of course all the links are going to be over on our show notes page this is episode number 222 and we want to say thank you to Justin and everybody at Impero for coming on today and on behalf of Impero and everybody here in the TeacherCast Educational Network my name is Jeff Bradbury reminding you guys to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students